So, you know, this morning we're, we're continuing on in our Friendship Factor series, and I was supposed to speak during the um, Faith at Work series, and I asked her if I could speak in this one, and I thought I got slotted in the feasting one, you know, feeding and gathering friends at the table, and I was like, yes, this is perfect for me. This is exactly what I love to do. I love to entertain people and have people over for dinner, so I was really excited to come and talk about sharing meals with friends and all the different times that we've experienced the love of Jesus around our table. I thought I would tell stories about like when our friends, um, Ken and Jody, had some friends over from Ireland. Their friend Lise came for a visit, and she was here to get some rest, and we had her over, and we got to hear her story and hear what was going on in ministry for her back in Ireland and some of the things she was struggling with. And we just got to love on her and pray with her and ask God to do some things. And we got to see him do it really quickly. So that was really exciting. And I thought I would tell a story like that. Or I thought I might tell a story about how, you know, friends have let me gather around their table and they have prayed and listened to my story and heard me and seen me and made me feel loved. And how God met us around the table. But as I continue to work through this sermon, I felt like God was asking me to talk about something a little more than just gathering and hosting and all the good things that happen around the table. So what I want to share with you is that I am limited about the things I know. I, I do not stand up here with a degree in theology or biblical studies or any kind of... Um, background or degree in, in anything like that that would qualify me to be up here. Um, but what I do have is a willing heart to be vulnerable and to be honest with the story of my life. And, and so that's what I feel like I'm supposed to share with you today. I also don't take the responsibility to be the one in this spot lightly. Um, I, I really don't. I pray over these messages. I've only been, you know, asked to speak a few times. And every time I'm asked, it's a lot of work for me, so I was really surprised this time. I thought it was going to be so easy, and um, it's, it really has not been easy to pray through what to talk about today. Um, the other thing I want you to hear is that um, I, I'm going to share some personal things in my story, and I hope that um, what I have to share is um, helpful to you. I'm going to share about how I've, in my journey, from far away from the table to getting really close to the table and of grace and what has happened in my life in that journey. I hope that after I share some of the things I'm going to share with you that you'll still want to be my friend. Um, and even if you don't, that's okay. Because if it's me or Kurt or Alan or Tony or... Um, anyone else, Kelly up here preaching, or any other leaders in this church or any other church, and we say something to you that offends you or hurts your feelings or that you disagree with, that's okay. You can unfriend us, but don't unfriend Jesus because of what I say or because of what anyone else says. So when I was a young woman, really still a teenager, but old enough to vote, and at the time, buy cigarettes and sign my own apartment lease. 
I decided that I would move in with my boyfriend. I was pretty sure when I was 18 that I had my life figured out. I was pretty certain that I knew what was best for me. And I'm sure people like my parents tried to tell me that it wasn't a great idea. But, you know, Friends was the show on TV and Melrose Place and, um, you know, Seinfeld. And everybody was moving in with their boyfriends. And that seemed like the next grown-up thing to do. So why not? So you might not be surprised to know that that wasn't really a great idea. And it didn't turn out so great for me. I'm sure you can imagine how things went. I soon moved back home with a little pile of debt and a broken heart. That relationship cost me more than money, more than debt, and it left scars on me, scars that I still carry today. See, I was doing a really good job in those years of running my life my way. I had my dreams, I had my plans, I had the things, ideals, I had my life in my control. And, the, you know, the world was telling me I had a right to control my life. And so I, I thought I was making my own choices, and I was supposed to, and so I did. But soon after I moved home, I met Stefan, and we began dating. And then about six months later, he asked me to marry him. Now, mind you, this hadn't really been a whole long time since I was living with the boyfriend. But, you know, here we are, young. You know, things move fast when you're young. And... Um, so, I mean, maybe it was a year or so, but I was still living my life on my own terms. <clears throat> I hadn't really learned what I desperately wanted to know. So deep down in my heart, there was a hurting young woman, and she was looking at men and hoping she would find love. She was looking for someone to tell her who she was, that she was important, that she mattered, that she belonged that she was seen and known and wanted. What I didn't know then was that as wonderful as Stefan turned out to be, he wasn't the thing that my soul needed most. You might remember um, I shared before that I became a Christian as a young girl. I heard the message of salvation because a friend invited me to church with her, and I began attending church and learning the Bible and growing in my faith. And I accepted Jesus as my Savior. And he forgave me. And I became friends with him. And I started to learn about him. But although that young girl was beginning to know Jesus as Savior, she didn't realize that she had a big hole in her heart. A hole that one day she was going to search all over the place trying to fill. I once heard a pastor say, sin will take you farther than you ever want to go. I still think that's true today. I also think it's true that we sin and we make messes of our lives, not entirely out of evil intentions, but really because we have needs and desires and we don't know how to fill those needs. So we search for ways to fill them. And the world has lots of suggestions for us, right, how we can fill those needs. We can use money or careers or sex or drugs or shopping or eating or whatever. And sometimes it's things that seem so innocent, too, like, you know, achievements and accomplishments. But whatever it is, all of those things, they'll never, ever fill the hole. The hole will always show up empty again. 
So there I was looking for love in all the wrong places, and then I met Stepan, and I fell in love, wildly, passionately in love with him. And then I got pregnant. Uh, about two or three weeks after Stefan and I announced our engagement, he threw this big 21st birthday party for me. And as people do at their 21st birthday, we had lots of really great beer and drinks. <laughs> and so um, it was a fun party. But I was so sick for like three or four days. It was way too long to be sick after a party. So, um, as you can imagine, things got a little scary. By this time, I was 21 and in college and old enough to know how things like this happen, but there we were with several pregnancy tests and two lines on all of them, and we were shocked. But this is not a story about unplanned pregnancies. In fact, I don't believe there are any unplanned babies, and I don't believe that Juliet was unplanned either. I believe she was planned, and as she believes and reminded me for such a time as this. I don't have to tell you what happened from then to now. You can draw your own conclusions. But what did happen was that I was faced with a decision, not a decision about the baby, but about me and what I believed and about who I was or who I wasn't. I remember thinking somewhere in those early months of pregnancy about who this little person was that I was carrying, and even more so about who was carrying her. I thought, who am I going to show up to be for this baby? Who will I show up in the world to be? And that's when it hit me that I wasn't so sure that I knew what I was doing. I didn't know all the answers I thought I did. And I realized that I wasn't really as in charge of my life as I thought I was. And this is where I also began to hear an invitation to something more. I knew I had made some mistakes. Not that the baby I carried was a mistake, nor was the love I felt for Stefan a mistake. But mistakes that were, I thought I could live my life on my terms. And because I was a Christian then, and I am now, I can't do that and couldn't do that then. And because God loves me, he wasn't going to leave me in the condition of running life on my own. What I discovered was that Jesus had invited me to give up my life and follow him. And that meant more than just saying, I believe you, Jesus. I believe that you're my savior. That meant more than just going to church because I was doing that off and on. And that meant more than just reading my Bible because surprisingly I was doing that too off and on. That meant it was time for me to say, I'll surrender to you. Because you are worth it. You're worthy of my surrender. You're wiser and greater than me. You know more than I do. And I had a choice to accept the invitation that he was extending to me. The invitation to the table where there's so much more than I ever could have imagined when I was doing life on my own. See, that hole in my heart continued to ache to be filled. But once I chose to accept the invitation to the real table... At Jesus' table, he gently began to remove this layer of mud and expose the holes in me. 
And he began to show me why I was looking for love in all the wrong places. And then he began the tender work of healing my broken heart. And he did that through a lot of people in this room today. They walked alongside me and helped me heal. Kurt asked me to preach today from Matthew 9, verses 10 through 13. He actually asked me to preach a few other things with that, but I've changed it a little bit, so I hope that's okay. So in Matthew 9, 10 through 13, the text is telling us about Jesus eating with Matthew, who was a tax collector, and his friends, who were also tax collectors, a bunch of sinners also. Then the Pharisees got wind of the dinner party. And I don't know because, like I said before, I'm not a biblical scholar. I'm not, I don't have an MDiv. I don't have any of that. So I'm not really sure how they found out that Jesus was having dinner at Matt's house and all the sinners were there because there was no Facebook at that time with like, hey, Jesus here. But that's what was going on. So they, they heard about it. And then they asked him, you know, why he's eating with the sinners, they asked. And this is what he said. He says, go and tell them that he desires mercy and not sacrifice, for he did not come to call the righteous, but the sinners. I'm pretty sure they were probably offended and shocked because, you know, people usually are when Jesus gets up in your business. But that's what happened. But here's what I want us to see in these words. Jesus was having dinner with people, people like us right here in this room, and he's up close and personal eating and sharing life with them. The people that were not welcome at anyone else's table. You ever think about that? Like it says that the, they were at Matthew's house who was a tax collector, and who else was there? Other tax collectors because tax collectors only hung out with tax collectors because nobody else wanted them around because they were the tax collectors. And then it also says the sinners, and I'm not even sure who those people were, but I think we can all imagine they must not have been welcome anywhere else at anyone else's table. But think about that. If they weren't welcomed at anyone else's table, how are they ever going to know who Jesus is? But Jesus is so, he's so Jesus. He just says, hey, I want to go eat at your house. And he comes over and eats with Matthew and his, his buddies. If Jesus hasn't, hadn't come to us, how would any of us know him? Because we know that God sent Jesus to us, not the other way around. The Bible does not say, for people were so desperate that they went looking for God, and then he showed them Jesus. That's not what the Bible says. It actually says in John three sixteen through 17, for God so loved the world that he sent his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, shocking, but to save the world through him. Jesus wants to sit at our tables too, with us and with our friends. He wants to share meals with us and stories with us and life with us. He has come to us, and he comes to our dinner table and says, Will you eat with me and I with you? When we invite our friends to the table, our friends that might not otherwise ever hear about Jesus, when we invite them to a shared table with us, they, they experience Jesus through us. 
through the way that we love them, the way that we care for them, through the way that we share hope with them and our stories with them. There's an invitation extended to the table to come and receive what Jesus has to offer. I was reminded this morning of a story of somebody I care very much about who was really having a hard time in the last week, and then he met with a friend for lunch, and that friend um, listened to his story and listened to the things he had to say that were going on in his life, and that friend looked at him, heard what he had to say, responded in love and kindness and affirmation. And I think that response said, I see you, I know you, I understand you, I get where you're at. And here's who God is to remind you, and here's who you are to remind you. And I think that's what we do in friendship, right? That's how we do love, and that's how we do life, and that's how we do the table with our friends. In John 6, 35, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He means this, that there's the true and lasting life that is only found in him. There's just no other way. The bread of life is the answer to all of our longings, all of our hunger, all of our searchings, because deep down what we all desire is what my friend desired to be known, to be loved, to be heard, to be seen be valued. Jesus knows what we need. Now, I feel like we, we have to surrender our ways and yield to Jesus in order to receive. Like we, we, we have to be willing to say, not my will, but yours, to get the gift of the bread of life and the cup of salvation, the redemption of all our past and all our future that's found in him. Just like teenage Jennifer and young adult Jennifer, we can believe in Jesus. We can believe in God. We can believe in all. We can believe God is who he says he is. But if we want the fullness that he offers at his table, if we want all of it, all of it, all the things, then we have to say, okay, I'm not right. I don't have all the answers. I'm not the one who's making the best decisions for my life. In fact, I'm not even the one that needs to be running my life. It means we lay down our rights to be the authority in our own lives and say, Jesus, I'm all in. Your will be done. I know this is not easy. This is a daily, ongoing journey. Not only did I... um, hear about my friend's story with his friend. Um, I was also invited to a wedding this week, and I also attended a funeral this week. We gathered, and, and there were friends and family and loved ones at these things, and people shared their stories, and it was beautiful, both experiences, one from a great place and one from a hard place. I was also invited to a meal with friends. So once a, once a month, this friend of mine who's here in this room, some other friends of mine that are here in this room, we gather for a meal at my friend's house. And she has a beautiful home. I absolutely love to go to this house. She's a wonderful host and wonderful cook. And every time I go to this friend's house, I feel super loved and just come away richer. 
So she hosts this thing that we do once a month, and we gather together to share the wonderful things in our lives, this woman and some other ladies, and we share the difficult things, and we offer wisdom. We try to help each other through our conversation and how we might support and pray for each other. Well, this week in our time together, the conversation ventured into an area that is very challenging, the subject matter heavy and weighty and personal. And I found myself unable to keep my thoughts to myself, and I just blurted out, I disagree with this. I just disagree. And, you know, some of you know me really well and know that I'm kind of passionate like that, and sometimes I'm prone to blurting things like that out. Gathering at the table with Jesus means that sometimes we make messes together, right, with our friends. I don't know exactly how my friends felt about me suddenly saying, I disagree with this. (laughs) I don't know what they thought. They shared their points of view, but I'm not sure how they felt about me blurting out what I said. I'm not sure if I hurt anybody's feelings or if I offended anyone or made anyone upset. But I know how I felt. I left crying. I left really sad, and I cried for hours. And then I spent the next several days wrestling what what to say here and rewriting this sermon a million times and thinking I was going to go into this talking about the table and it was going to be so great and easy. And then it was suddenly really hard. But like I said, Jesus gathering with him at the table means that we can make messes together with our friends. Jesus is mature. He's capable of helping us become mature and capable too and do the work of cleaning up our messes together with Jesus and with each other. We help each other grow and mature because that's what real friendship and the deep work of surrendering to Jesus really is all about. I'm not naive to think that that conversation happened by accident this week. That would be foolish, right? What I also want you to know is that I wrote, as I wrote and rewrote and prayed and cried and prayed some more, I reached out to that same group of gals and said, please help me. Would you please pray for me? All of those ladies reached right back out to me to say, absolutely, immediately, I'll pray for you and to send me a word of encouragement. They extended grace toward me, even though I may have a very different opinion from them on a particular subject. They still reached out in grace and mercy. Remember Jesus said that? Mercy? They still offered that friendship. And sometimes friends disagree, and that's okay. This is humility, honesty, and love. I'm going to really try to keep our time. I have a few short minutes, but I really feel like i got to get all this in. So if y'all will just bear with me if I read a bit. This is from 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 11. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. 
To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, and to another a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one Spirit, and to another miraculous powers, and to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between Spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and still another the interpretation of tongues. And these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determined, he being God. What Paul's letter to the Corinthian church is reminding us today is that we all have a part to play. We have gifts, and we're different, but we belong to Jesus, one shared spirit. We have purpose in the body of Christ as his church. We're all representatives of him to each other and to the world. To the world. Jesus said the world would know us by our love for one another. Us, inside the church. Those people outside, at Matt's house, the tax collectors, they're going to know who Jesus is by the way we do life right here with each other, friends. Because how else are they going to know? And this can be hard, but it's the work of God in us right? It's not up to us. It's the work of God in us that makes this possible. You guys, we are living in times when the body of Christ is truly being tested. This really breaks my heart. We are living in a very divisive time on the earth right now. But we are one body. That is what the scripture teaches us. That means we are called to love like Jesus loves, love like Paul describes, love with dignity and honor and truth so that the church does not fail in these dark times. I know that Jesus will see us through, but we have a part to play in his story. We get to participate in what he's doing in history right now. In Philippians 2, 1 through 16, Paul reminds us how to treat each other. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being in one spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mind as Jesus Christ. And this is who Jesus is. Who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing, By taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to to the glory of God the Father. Therefore... 
My friends, have you, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. This is my part that I, my kids should know by heart because they got it all the time. Do all things without grumbling and complaining. That's my son over there. <laughs> so that, listen, so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then you will be able to boast on the day of Christ, I'll be able to, that I did not run the labor in vain. We are called to become one with Christ Jesus, friends, and one with each other, being like-minded and of the same spirit, which is the spirit of God. This means we choose to put on love because love covers a multitude of sins. This means we forgive each other. This means we grieve with one another. This means we laugh. This means we share stories. This means we hold room for each other. By this, friends, this even means that we speak the truth when it's uncomfortable and hard. Because that's what real friends do, right? My friends, when Jesus invited me to the full feast and said, okay, are you ready to, are you ready to let go of being in charge of your life? You, are you willing to trust me? Those friends walked with me through a lot of healing journey. And they, they never told me, you should be doing better. You should be making these choices. You should have done this. You should have done that. They never did that to me. They just let me be me and come with all of the mess that I had made of my life. And they didn't say, look at the mess you've made of your life. They just let me come. And they began to point me to Jesus because they knew he knew how to clean up the stuff inside of me and that he was the one that could fill my heart. My friend Laura reminds me that our job is not to make our friends like Jesus, right? That's not our job. It's not my job. Jesus has already got that covered. My job is to love my friends. I want to say this to our kids because y'all are in here and I know I'm really running over my time, Kurt, but I'm trying. You guys, I'm so sorry that y'all are having to live in a time when y'all see so much anger out of the grown-ups in the world. My son reminded us of that. Um, he said, you know, I wish people weren't so angry. And it, it occurred to me like, oh yeah, he's drowning in this stuff because everybody has an opinion right and everybody now has a platform to have an opinion and they have phones in their hands and so they have all these social outlets that are telling them how angry everyone is but remember what jesus said how we're supposed to be we're supposed to love each other we're supposed to love each other and so i want to say to you guys to you students to you teenagers in this room Love each other. Love each other. Be a safe space for each other. 
because there are enough stuff going on out in the world that it's hard. And don't lose heart. And to those of you in this room who are, you've walked down the road with Jesus a long time and you just are heavy because you feel like, man, I have been fighting the good fight a long time and I am just tired. I want you to hear this. I really believe this is from God. Do not lose heart. Do not lose heart. Do not give up. Do not give up. Our God is faithful and he'll come through. And for those of us in this room who like to argue, stop. Stop. Be a voice of hope and life and love. Yes, there needs to be truth. You need to speak the truth in love. When you see your friends going astray, you need to point them back to this book, to what the word says. That is true. And you need to point them back to Jesus. But stop looking for an argument. Stop. We are called to be one body. One body. I'm going to pray over us. I, I really did really pretty good. I'm proud of myself. It's only 1114. I'm going to pray over us, and we're going to listen to a song, um, I think, right? We're going to listen to a song. This is um, an artistic, art, um, artistic musician that you don't really hear on any kind of mainstream, but his name is Josh Garrels, and the song is at the table, and I just love his music. But I'm going to pray for us. If you... Um, if you have never met Jesus, if you have been living your life on your own and you've never met Jesus and you want to meet him, I want to say to you that he has an invitation for you today. He wants you to come to the table. It's open to you. And if you've been to the table, and, but you have hearing this tug at your heart that, you know, I don't, I don't really think I've let Jesus be Lord and Savior of all of me. I've given him some room, but not all the room. I want you to say this invitation is for you. And if you're in this room and you're just feeling like, man, I am so tired. I feel like I have been fighting the good fight and I am just worn slap out. Then I want you to come and get prayer. So Holy Spirit, I know that you're here. Thanks for, for working even though I don't know that I have the words. I know that you have the words of life, Lord. And so I just invite our friends to come and receive from you whatever it is that you want to do. God, would you please minister to our hearts in this time if there's anyone in this room, Lord, who does not know you today. I pray that this would be the day they come to know you. In Jesus' name.